So we're in the middle of a sermon series that I'm calling Heaven on Earth. And the big idea is that Jesus' church is heaven on earth. Which makes heaven on earth a lot more complicated than just um, an all-you-can-eat buffet on a cruise ship somewhere. But this really is God's plan to bring heaven down on earth into a group of people who are united in Christ and begin to live like they're already in heaven. That's God's plan for the church as we tell the truth to the world that that needs Jesus. And if you've been with us, we started off by saying that heaven on earth um, starts with people who will love the church of Jesus Christ. Heaven on earth is when people love the church, when they love her or us because we are Jesus's bride and we love the church because we know she needs a lot of love. She's, she's weak, she's foolish, she's a sinner, and she needs a lot of help and a lot of love. And so heaven on earth is where people love the church and don't just judge her and evaluate her and wonder what she has done for them lately. The next we said was heaven on earth has to do with um, rejecting how the world thinks so that we can have real unity around Christ. Because if you think the way the world thinks apart from Jesus, the church will divide into factions and evaluating and nobody's good enough and everybody's on my team or not on my team and we'll just self-destruct. And so heaven on earth is when people are seek unity around Jesus Christ and reject the way the world works. Last week we said that heaven on earth is where God the Father raises up godly fathers in his image so that they can do the job of, of caring for the church the way God wants. And this week we're going to talk about how heaven on earth is where people really do think like God because he changes their mind through the Holy Spirit. Heaven on earth is a group of people who really, really think the way God thinks about things. Amen? And so I promised us that every time we get together, and I'm in this sermon series, I'm going to do my best to be faithful, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, part of it together. Um, You don't have to read out loud if this is going to stress you out or not be a blessing. Um, You don't have to join us. But if it is a blessing to read along, you can do that. And I add a little bit of a tweak to the love part each week, and I think they're faithful tweaks. I don't think I'm distorting the Word of God. I think I'm actually bringing a bit of understanding to it. And so this time when we say love, we're not going to just say love. We're going to say the love of God. Because this is obviously what Paul had in mind. He's not talking about like a worldly love for smash-up or chocolate or something like that. He's talking about the love of God. And so as we read it together, we'll read the love of God in place of just love. Three, two, one. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not the love of God, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not the love of God, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not the love of God, I gain nothing. The love of God is patient and kind. The love of God does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
The love of God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The love of God never ends. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I pray for a rich blessing on every person here, even the kids. Lord, I pray you would highlight something to touch their hearts today or even just give them a question to talk about later on. Father, would you give me grace to be a true servant of Christ? And I pray that the Holy Spirit would do his job of enabling us to understand all that you've freely given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, is it just me, or does it seem like we're suffering a bit of a biblical plague of flies these days? Does anybody else have that going on? You know, it might just be because our house is by a field, and it might be because I've been collecting roadkill and keeping it in the garage. But it seems like there, is a, there are a lot of house flies these days. I don't know what you guys did. But there's a lot of flies in town. So we have these little family, um, family fly-killing fests where we hand out some fly swatters and go chase bugs and, and try not to leave the little blood marks on anything that will stain. But, you know, it's kind of fun killing all them flies and we did that yesterday morning i think it was and then we were about to leave to go do something this was yesterday and jackie opened up the garage door for half a second and like 25 more flies just flew in the house and she came outside looking a little sheepish and then when we got home after what we were doing we just had to spend all that time killing these flies because if you don't kill them you know what they do in the morning we wake up and it's time for bible time and the flies go hey that head looks so good and then it goes like there, and then it starts bouncing on your forehead, and you're trying to read, love is patient, and you're just like... And then they go all up and down your legs when you're trying to read the, you know, it is not irritable part, and you're just like, die, die, die. So you've got to kill the flies before it's time to connect with the Lord so you can do a good job of it. And for me, it was just a little illustration of what life inside of our brains can be like. Sometimes thoughts get in there, you know not from where, and they just rob you and irritate and buzz around and land at inconvenient times and mess you up. And part of the Christian life is doing the work of killing those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our passage today is going to be talking about the Spirit's ministry of changing our minds. The passage today is talking about the Holy Spirit's ministry of changing how we think in order to agree with God so that we're not being robbed in this life. If we don't agree with God, we're being robbed. The thoughts that are lies, the thoughts that are half-truths, the thoughts that don't agree with who we are and what God has done, if, if those thoughts, they always rob us. Rob us of peace, rob us of joy, rob us of power, rob us of love, rob us of friendship and family. They always rob us of God. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convince us to agree with God so that we won't, we won't suffer loss. And so I'm going to read this here. And in the context, Paul is trying to convince this church that's being divided over evaluating people and each other in a worldly way apart from Christ. And he's saying to them that when I came to you, I never tried to impress you by showing off. All I did was want to preach to you Jesus Christ crucified in weakness so that when you trusted, you would trust in the power of God and not in Paul, the Broadway show. 
Paul, Hollywood edition. Paul with a smoke machine. Right? He said, I self-consciously tried to impress nobody. I just wanted to tell you Jesus. So that when you believe, you'd just be believing in the power of God. But having talked about how the cross is foolishness to the world, he does want to talk about how there is a wisdom from God that is there to be known and how it's the Holy Spirit that makes us understand God's wisdom. And so I'll start reading in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, let's just stop there. If people are so smart, why did they kill God? That's what Paul's saying. If we're so smart, how come we killed Jesus? Obviously, we need help. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to to us by God. And I'll just stop there. This is my main verse. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The title of my message today is... Holy Spirit versus the brain snakes. And I lost my verses there. I don't understand why PowerPoint doesn't love me, but it disappeared. Holy Spirit versus the brain snakes. For, I, I, wanna, I didn't make up this phrase, but I wanna, I'd be happy if it became part of our church culture. Brain snakes. Ideas that are not from the Lord that live right here and mess you up. Anybody here ever had a brain snake? Okay. Anybody here still have brain snakes? Yeah. The answer is yes, you do. Okay? Newsflash. We, we have brain snakes. We have thoughts that come from the spirit of the world that do not agree with the truth of Christ, with who God is and shown himself to be in the Bible, with who Jesus is raised from the dead, and who we are in Christ and what God is doing in the world. We have these thoughts in our minds, influencing us, controlling us, compelling us, uh, restraining us. We have brain snakes. And so as a church, I would love for you guys, if you're having little meetings with each other and caring about how you're really doing, you can ask each other, so do you think that thought might be a brain snake? We have brain snakes, and it's the Holy Spirit's desire to destroy them. One of the things that's true about our culture is we're we're not a spiritually aware culture in the West, okay? Your average Canadian does not think about spiritual things in a day. 
and your average Canadian Christian can do that too. To not see the world through a spiritual lens and to not think of the world in spiritual means. And what I mean by this is this fact. I'll, I'll, I'll try to prove it to you and you can prove me wrong if you want to. Okay. Do you regularly see your mind as a place where spiritual forces are at war with each other? Is that how you view your brain? When you have thoughts, when you're thinking about the day, when you're evaluating things, when you're having feelings because of your thoughts, do you think, man, there must be spiritual forces fighting in my mind? No, we don't do that. We don't do that. In fact, if you talked out loud about that, people would think you're crazy. Okay, based on this scripture, which is the word of God, what is the whole truth? There's a spirit of the world that does not give us wisdom from God. And there is a spirit from God who wants to help us understand the things freely given to us by God. That's the whole truth. When you're thinking, when you're evaluating, there's the Spirit of God who knows everything we're thinking, who is working by Scripture, by conscience, by thoughts, to help us to understand everything God has given us in the Gospel and to apply it. And there's a Spirit of the world who wants you to believe anything else but that. Doesn't care if you're a pagan or an atheist, doesn't care if you're agnostic, doesn't care if you've got great degrees or if you're stoned out on pot all the time. The spirit of the world does not give a rip what you think as long as your thoughts do not agree with the spirit of God. And that warfare is happening every day in that a little electrical storm in between your ears. And I'm sure in other cultures, they'd be like, of course, feel it all the time. But for us, we're just like, this sounds weird. What did I just get myself into? If you want to know what the Holy Spirit was given to the church for, a great passage for summarizing it is in 2 Timothy. And I want to help us understand this because most Christians only like one thing that the Spirit does. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, chapter 7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay? Otherwise, sometimes translated a sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. This is what the Holy Spirit is here to do. And it's in the book of Corinthians as well. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power, Right? What is all of chapter 12 and all of chapter 14 of this book about? It's about the Holy Spirit's giftings. The Holy Spirit lives in us to enable us to do things we could never do on our own. What about love? Okay, what have we been talking about every week for the last four weeks? We start off by doing the love chapter. Okay? Power, love, and self-control. It's in First, Second Timothy. It's in this book. And the Holy Spirit is there to give us a sound mind which is what chapter 2 is about. The Holy Spirit exists to get into your brain and to sort things out and to go into the fridge of your brain and say, spoiled, rotten, too much sugar. What was this before it turned green? Still good. Put in some veggies. Put in some kale shakes. Put in some ribs and turkey. 
put in some something. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to take out the junk and to put in the good. To give you a sound mind, a mind that works as you follow Christ, a mind that doesn't rob you. And one of the things, if I can just wave my arms for a moment here, if I could do anything for you today, what I would call and beg and plead and exhort and probably not yell is that everyone here would just go away saying, I want my mind to be changed by God. Okay? Because most of us, what do we want? We want to be right. Amen? We want to be right. We think thoughts, the only thing that matters is that I'm right. Which means you're already invested in not having the Holy Spirit change your mind. Because you want to be right. If I want to be right, I'm already telling the Holy Spirit, go bother somebody else. If I could do one thing this morning, it would be this. All of us just say, my brain is not there to make me feel right. It's there to get changed by the Holy Spirit to agree with God. That's why we have brains, <laughs> to get them changed. Oh, man. So let's talk a little bit about the spirit of the age and go a little bit deeper here. We've been talking about this thing I call me-ism, which the people who write big books would call existentialism. And we've been talking about this philosopher named Sartre. And this was his big idea, and he came up with this big idea that really impacted all of our lives. His big idea is this. There is no God. We're just chemicals. And because there is no God, and because there is, we're just chemicals, there is no such thing as right and wrong, or good and evil, or meaning or purpose. You don't have meaning, I don't have meaning. You don't have purpose, I don't have purpose. We don't mean anything, we're just carbon. Anybody excited yet? I say this every week. I can't believe people actually thought this was a great idea. (laughs) So if somebody drove a bus in here and drove over all of us, nothing has changed in the world except that our chemicals have been moved around a little bit. That's all that it's all it is. It's just we're just chemical reactions. And he said, Well, this isn't super encouraging. And so Because there is no inherent meaning, because your life doesn't count, because what is life? Life is just nothing. It's just as nothing as anything. If you're going to have any meaning and purpose, you have to make it up. And they say, well, isn't this great? You get to decide. What are you? You decide. Do you have meaning? You decide. What is your purpose? You decide. What's right and wrong? You decide. It's all about you, and you decide, and you get to pick. And something about this feels very appealing to us, because don't we like to get what we want? And don't we like to decide what we're going to be? Don't we like to feel in control? Anybody? And part of the appeal of this is that you get to say, no one can tell you what to do. No one can tell you what to think because you get to decide who you are. There's no such thing as truth. What is the chemical compound of truth? How many oxygen molecules are in truth? It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as truth. There's just you get to decide who you are and what you are and what you believe. That is, for us, one of the most profound spirit of the ages. And this is a spirit that wants to be a brain snake inside of our head. And the, the truth is completely different. 
The reality is there is a God who existed for all of eternity before any of us were even born. Before all of eternity, he existed and has been good. And this God has always had a son who one day became a man. And this God who has a son has always had an infinite love going between the Father and the Son who is so huge, he is God himself, the Holy Spirit. And God has always been good forever, even before he made anything. There's been right and wrong before there was even a grain of dust to have a person do wrong on. There's been truth since before there was air molecules to say the word truth into. And God made us in love and for his glory, but we rejected him and wanted to go our own way and decide for ourselves what it meant to be human, and it destroyed everything. And now, through Jesus, we have an opportunity and the call to put our trust in him, put all of our trust in him, to believe in him, to give us him our lives and our cars and our houses and our wallets and everything else. It doesn't just mean like Sunday morning, you give Sunday morning to Jesus and you'll go to heaven. The only way in is all of your life. And that's the best way. You want to be miserable? Try to keep something from Jesus. Come on. Anybody, anybody been a Christian for more than a couple of years? Put up your hand. Keeping things from Jesus is a great way to be miserable, isn't it? Do you want to be happy? Give your mind to Jesus. Do you want to be happy? Give your time to Jesus. Do you want to be happy? Give your money to Jesus. He's good. He loves you more than you'll ever love yourself, and he's better at taking care of you than you'll ever be able to take care of yourself. He's, he's really worth it, and he's worthy of it too. And I'm totally off my notes, and so somebody please start praying for me now. This God who saves us, the Bible says, when we come to Jesus, he gives us everything we're ever going to get in Jesus, except for the resurrection body. That's the only thing we don't have yet is our new body. But he adopts us all the way, and he saves us all the way, and he forgives us all the way, and he promises to be with us all the way, and he gives us a church family all the way. And the problem is, according to Paul, is that we don't understand everything he's already given us for free. Let me read that one more time. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. This is the thing. We have so much stuff from God, and we have no idea that we have it. And the Holy Spirit works on us day and night so we would understand who we are in Christ and what we've been given in Jesus and what our future is in the Lord and what the promises we have from God, that we would understand it and it would get from, that was an interesting message to, these truths control my mind. And that process of getting there is driving out the brain snakes or swatting the the lie flies in our heads. Amen? Okay. Why does it feel so hard to change our minds sometimes? Have you ever noticed that? 
there's some thoughts in our heads that are really hard to get rid of. I have a theory. So I'm in theory mode here. Um, and I think the theory is in part because we don't like to change our minds in general, but sometimes we come to really depend on the lies we believe to make sense of the world. You ever notice that? Why is my life so hard right now? It must be because God doesn't love me and nobody else does either. That's just a lie. But it can help make sense of things, even though it's a lie. Okay, I keep praying, but nothing's happening. It must be because God doesn't answer prayer, or there are no such things as miracles, or maybe God's forsaken me. Okay, those are all brain snakes, but it can help make sense of how you feel. You ever notice that? And so, one of the things I think we notice in life as you go on is that sometimes people will end up in these weird places. Christians, I mean, like real Christians. I'm not doubting their salvation or anything. Real Christians will end up in this place where they're tooth and nail fighting to keep believing utter lies about themselves or God. And someone will come to them with truth in love and you'll hate them for it. Because you've built your life on a lie. Even though you're a Christian. It could be a false assumption about somebody's motives. It could be something I don't even know. It could be a hurt from childhood where you just decided that it would be better never to love or trust anybody. Which is a lie. But the idea of actually learning to love and trust God and to be a part of a church where you trust and love each other is so paralyzing with fear that you will actually fight to never have to do it. You can have a lie in your head about finances that all you have to, in life is the security that money provides for you. Even in, song, or in Proverbs it says that a rich man's wealth is his strong tower. Amen! You know, the more money you have, the safer you are in life. But it's a lie! But the idea of facing... Having to trust God with that stuff can just be so paralyzing that the brain snake just constricts and constricts and constricts and constricts. And I think the way out is to just turn to Jesus and give your brain to the Holy Spirit. Guys, I love Holy Spirit so much. Oh my goodness. I love the truth of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we have an invisible friend who lives inside of us. Right now, I know I just said something crazy, right? It's crazy. There are padded cells for people like me. We have an invisible friend who loves us and lives inside of us. And I want to just name a few complaints people have about the Holy Spirit. Number one, people complain that you can't see him. Amen? Anybody ever done? If only you could see the Holy Spirit. You know how useless he would be if you could see him, if everyone could see him? Imagine you had a flame of fire on your head, like Pentecost, all the time. You couldn't even fill up with gas. Am I right? You couldn't get a job. Why is your head on fire? Just my friend, Holy Spirit. Get out of here before you burn the place down. Can you imagine Holy Spirit was like in the form of a dove on your shoulder all the time, like he appeared to Jesus bodily at his baptism? You couldn't go grocery shopping. You'd probably get... PETA would be all over you. It's actually to our advantage that he's invisible because we get to take him everywhere without causing a problem unless he wants to. Amen? 
Guys, it is so wise of God to keep the Holy Spirit invisible. Because you can take him to work. You can take him to bed. You can take him to your date with your spouse. You can take him into parenting. And he doesn't distract anybody. You can ask him for help and how you think and what you do and how you feel without anybody freaking out. Unless the Lord wants that to happen, which he did on Pentecost. So we got to give him room. Nobody decided they wanted to look drunk in front of strangers, but that was God's choice on Pentecost. People sometimes complain about the Holy Spirit because they don't like how he speaks. They want to hear audible voices. They want to hear the sound waves go through the air into their ears. There is a wisdom in not working like that, though the Holy Spirit can do that. Number one. Hasn't anybody ever spoken to you with a voice and you ignored them anyways? Like, we don't even know ourselves. The Holy Spirit can speak to us audibly, and we're just as likely to not listen as any other way that he speaks to us. Because it's not about how he speaks, it's about whether or not we're going to listen. And he's the Holy Spirit. If he wants to talk, he knows how to communicate. Do you really think that a human being can keep God from talking? Goodness sakes. He's God. Can't is not in his vocabulary. He's never worried about that stuff. Truth number three, the Bible's a good idea. It's totally portable. It doesn't change over time. And because it stays the same, it helps us not to psych ourselves out. We psych ourselves out about God talking. And that's why the Bible is such a great idea. This book is made by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to understand it. And because it doesn't change, we can keep coming back and going, am I really getting this? Am I really getting this? I thought this thing. I had this thought. I might have a brain snake. I'm going to come back to this trustworthy word. Holy Spirit, please help me really understand what's going on here. So I'm waving my arms for the Holy Spirit here. He, this is How he's doing things is the right way. And I want to just say, I, I exhort every Christian to never again think a bad thought about the Holy Spirit. I know he's the least trusted member of the Trinity. It just is. He's totally the least trusted of the mem- member of the Trinity. He does not deserve our doubt. For goodness sake, he gave us rebirth. We wouldn't be Christians unless he gave us a new life. He never deserves our doubt. We should just be in the book going, apparently you give power and love and a sound mind i want everything you have for me he does not deserve our doubt he is so good he's our best friend he loves us he sticks by us he works on our conscience we're about to do something so stupid he says don't do guilt trip he'll do the guilt trip it's the only time a good guilt trip is the holy spirit guilt trip because he's there to save you and so all like i'm just i'm out So I am going to be done here. I I would love for us just to acknowledge together that the Holy Spirit was sent to change our minds and to help, to encourage us each to really want our minds changed by the Holy Spirit and to realize that heaven on earth is where you have a bunch of people who all just agree with God. We agree with God. He said it. I believe it. Do my best to understand it clearly and apply it and be gracious as we figure this stuff out. But we agree. We want the Holy Spirit to help us understand everything God's given to us. And so, how can you practically apply this? Got to be in the book. 
This is one of the best ways to kill your brain snakes. Be in the book. Holy Spirit, help me understand. Be in the book. Holy Spirit, this is your book. Help me understand. Number two, um, if you have not had like a, a walk with the Holy Spirit, you know what they used to do in the book when people couldn't just say, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit or I walk with the Holy Spirit. You know what they used to do? Anybody? Anybody read the book? They used to have people who have the Holy Spirit lay their hands on people who need the Holy Spirit and ask God to give them the Holy Spirit. And then they trusted that he did. Was that a wise way of doing that? Or do we have a brain snake that thinks that that's not a good way to do it? Anybody? So I'm going to end. Gene, you can come up. And uh, if you would like to just say yes to the Holy Spirit in a new way, and you would like someone to come and lay hands on you to get some more Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit for the first time, you can come up. Someone will come and do that. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for this morning. God, would you be glorified in our midst? And Holy Spirit, I just want to say afresh, this is your church. I pray that you would drive out brain snakes from us so that we would really understand everything you've freely given to us in Jesus, that our hearts and our minds and our actions would all line up with the whole truth. God, would you help each one of us just repent of maybe being stuck on wanting to be right or being really slow to be corrected by your word because we're scared. Lord, overcome. You love us. You're not going to hold that against us. You're so gentle. But Lord, overcome. And I pray, Father, for each one of us, you would lead us into that sound judgment and sound mind that your word talks about for your glory. And amen.